0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. If you were watching figure skating at the Winter Olympics in Beijing, you likely remember a fantastic ice dancing pair from Canada who were wearing bright orange outfits. And one of the reasons you might remember them is because you got to watch them in those outfits twice. Paul Poirier and Piper Gillis skated for Canada in the team event in the rhythm uh, this was their rhythm dance uniform where they finished um, fourth in the team event and then they did it again when they, they uh, when they competed for a medal. They did not win a medal at the Beijing Winter Olympics, but Paul joins us this week to talk about his experiences at the Olympic Games, uh, the the struggles, the triumphs, He talks about coming out as gay. He did so last year when (laughs) on the same month that a bunch of figure skaters all came out publicly and he claims it was not organized, but but he does talk about that. And he also talks about what is ahead for him at age 30. uh, The Olympics are four years away and... Will he be sticking to figure skating or going in another direction in his life? Anyhow, I hope you enjoy my conversation with two-time Olympic figure skater, Paul Poirier. Paul, thank you so much for joining me. So I have to ask you, you, you... there were five Olympic figure skaters who all came out last June. did you all coordinate that?
1: not not at all actually it was it was funny um it was one of those things where i I sort of knew my article was coming out that day um because three of us were on the same day um and I kind of knew my article was coming out that day it was supposed to come out the day before there was a delay with certain things because it was digital and business things that I don't understand. Um, and so I saw, I saw Caitlin Weaver, my, my Canadian ice dance teammate, um, share something in the morning. And I thought, oh, crap, am I going to be am I going to be taking away from what I think is an important moment from her? And that was my that was my concern, I think, at a certain point. Um, but I, I actually think in the end with myself and, and Caitlin and Jason Brown, the American Single skater. We actually all got to kind of celebrate that moment together, and it it made it even more special. I think for the three of us. Um, I think in some ways it's strange for me. In some ways, the article didn't feel like a coming out to me. I've been fairly out in my life for a a long time, but it was the first time I had sort of made a public statement about it. Um, But I thought it was important. I think I've seen more and more the power of visibility. Um, and I wanted to be a part of that and be that person for someone young who might be watching,
0: yeah. well, just eight years ago, there were zero out figure skaters at the Olympics. This time there we were nine <laughs> And, and, and you, know, I, you must know each other, right? I mean, we we say coming out at out sports, we always need to turn publicly out. Yeah, and we define that as you've either said very clearly in the media that I am LGBTQ or, You're living life very openly on Instagram, on a public page, but I have to believe you have known about these people for years and they have known about you.
1: Some absolutely. Yes. Like, I I think it's one of those things where we as athletes in general, we're always juggling having a sort of public self and then having a a personal self. And some people are really good at integrating those two things. And some people have a big separation. I think think as queer people, it's very natural to make that separation. I think especially um, when we're young and a lot of that comes from a place of fear of judgment um, and a fear of losing out on opportunities or um, being afraid that that might change people's perceptions of us. And so we make that separation very clearly. And so I think as you know, as culture is shifting and as people have been trailblazers, I think we as athletes and we as people are starting to learn that that separation is not so necessary after all. Um, and, I, and I think that's really wonderful. That's the direction we want to be moving in, I think, as a society.
0: I think a lot of gay athletes are finding that it's actually a career. Um, I, what's the word? I mean, it adds to their career. It adds to their marketability. You know, in 2018, the, the most sponsored athlete at the games was Gus Kenworthy, who, mm-hmm.
1: was,
0: who was gay. And I know Josh Cavallo, the out soccer player in Australia. He's getting a ton of interest. And I and I think today, as as you're right, society and social media kind of remove some of these. These, these walls between um, personal life and and sports life, I, I think that it creates an opportunity for LGBT athletes. Have you found
1: that? Yeah, I think absolutely it's been it's been very nice even in the last year to feel a part of that community of LGBT athletes and to to feel part of that family in a strange way. I haven't felt any sort of detriment that has come. Um, of the way that I've been more publicly speaking about my sexuality, and that's been um, really nice. I I, I can't say it, it was a calculated move by any sort to to up my marketability or anything like that. I think it was something I just really felt compelled to do personally. Um, and I think more than anything, it's also it's also brought like internal healing for me to to have that cohesion within myself and to not have that split between. Between a public self and between the sort of day-to-day pull that I that I exist with all the time, um, so you know, I think for for me that that's really been the biggest thing is um, just feeling more whole within myself.
0: Did you find, personally, you know, um, being an ice dancer, you have a, a female partner. Does that bring more pressure to? be and present as straight and masculine?
1: In some ways, yes, and and in some ways, no. I think in general in ice dance, we're often tied to these styles of dance that in and of themselves are very heteronormative and the stylization of those dances that's already kind of built in, if that makes sense you know i think in the end we're we're performers we're dancers we're actors and i don't think you know i don't i don't personally feel like being gay brings puts me at a disadvantage when it comes to those things and i think we as performers we have a lot of leeway in the in the music that we choose in the characterization of the dances that we do and how we style things i think my partner piper and i we've never been A couple to really present those programs that tell love stories that we do often see in ice dance i think because that's not the story that we wanted to tell ever um so uh, you know i think i think that's really empowering in a lot of ways that we have that kind of control over what we choose to put out in the world and present i think that said you know there are A lot of these tropes that exist in ice dance um that we just kind of take for granted and even sort of the the really um the really old adages things like the girl is the picture and the boy is the frame and your job is to present the woman and things like that that you know definitely exist in things like ballroom dance um and while i think there is space for that and there are Times where a dance might require that kind of characterization or that kind of performance, um, which I think can be really fun and interesting. So I, I you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. But I, but I think we do, we are allowed to to present variety in ice dance, and I think we are starting to see that a little bit more and more. And that's an evolution that is happening within our sport, um, and I think it's an important evolution. Uh, that needs to happen if we want our sport to remain relevant. And if we want to keep people interested in enjoying the things that we're doing, we need to be able to present um, the whole spectrum of what dance can be and what performance can be and what movement can be.
0: Talking to figure skaters from years ago, um, people talked openly about being afraid that they'd be judged differently if they came out. And, and, you know, there have been, even some straight figure skating analysts who've said, yeah, gay figure skater might get judged differently. Is there today power in numbers? It's, you know, almost like you, you can't avoid us now. There are so many of us who are out that to start bringing that into your judging factor. Uh, and again, judging has changed, right. And figure skating a lot. Yeah. Um, but you know, is, is, do you have any of that fear at all anymore that 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 so many gay figure skaters once did?
1: no, i I don't think so. Um you know i, I think it's really telling you had you had Guillaume Cizeron who won the Olympics in ice states this time as as an openly gay athlete, so and who crushed it. It, you know it can, you know it it can't be a detriment. I think there's probably. You know, those naggy things in mind where you might think, well, if if I don't put on a convincing performance, people might ascribe that to my being gay or, you know, if there's not a perceived connection between your partner. But I think those those things might only come up if there's something missing in the performance. But I think I think really when people see excellent skating and excellent performing, they're going to reward those things. And you know, I think that that in itself comes from a place of of privilege of skating when I am now compared to skating 20 years ago. We've seen so much change in our sport in so many ways. And I I think that's just one of the ways that we've seen change in our sport.
0: For a long, long time there's been a stereotype, big shocker that every figure male figure skater is gay. Um and what's been interesting to watch, so looking at the at the uh, Olympic Games, you know, we 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 had out sports track team, LGBTQ, we call it, you know, all the athletes who are out. Um, and in figure skating, there were nine out athletes. They were all men. And, and, and then there's Timothy who was non-binary
1: Yeah.
0: In ice hockey, there were 12 out athletes and they were all women. Why is that? Why are virtually all the out people in figure skating men? and virtually all the out people in ice hockey, women.
1: You know, if I had the answer to that question, I would I would know a lot of things. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I th- I think part of it is the way that we funnel children into sports when they're very young and we create these storylines of who should be doing what kinds of sports. I think as, as a gay boy, if you have that amount of self-awareness at you know five or six years old or however old you are when when you start skating, um, you, you know there's definitely more of a culture in a sport like figure skating where, as gay boy, you see you see other men presenting themselves in ways that resonate. With you whether they're publicly out or not and you know definitely when i was growing up watching figure skating there were no publicly out men but i think the ways that i wanted to move and the ways that i wanted to perform i saw that being done um, by skaters that came before me and so in a way i i saw myself in that place doing that thing um you know i think in a lot of team sports like hockey or American football or things like that, there isn't that same kind of, at least for me, there isn't that same kind of um, openness that you can really see through consuming the sport by being a viewer, by watching. Um, And I think in general, that's why you've also seen lags in those sports in being more open to, um, to other ways of being, to other sexual orientations. Um, you know, if you kind of watch those big leagues like the NHL and the NFL and, and whatever, the major league soccer, I don't know all the soccer leagues, to be honest. But, you know, I think more and more, the more visibility there is, the more you'll see kids going to the places that they want to go to. Um, you know, and so I think, you know, that's, we just need to continuously be changing our narratives around sports and who belongs where. I think we still have we still like to put people in boxes and we still like to put sports in boxes and activities in boxes and who belongs in those spaces. Um, and I don't think we need to.
0: You may actually have the answer because I'll tell you there is one of the world's leading academics in this space. is a guy named Eric Anderson. He's a former coach and he's been doing uh, Research into this space for 20 years, and he's come to a similar conclusion that you have that at a very young age, uh, even when you don't know you're gay, you know you want to express yourself. That, that, That gay men naturally have, or gay boys naturally have, different interests than straight boys, like it's actually innate in you. And straight boys want to go punch each other, and gay boys want to go express themselves. And so you actually, you know, you may be, you may actually have the answer. You and Eric might be right.
1: Honestly, I have no clue. That, clue. That's my best theory, which has no basis in it whatsoever besides wild speculation. Did that, um, when you were a so kid, I,
0: did, did, that, did, did that stereotype, I've talked to Adam Rippon about this and the common theme that 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 being in a sport that has that stereotype actually put in an, an an added pressure to not be that stereotype. Was that real for you?
1: Yeah. And I actually said that in the article. I, I, in the article I did with Gloria, which kind of was my first public conversation about this. I think within ourselves, we there's so there's sort of this narrative of succumbing to this stereotype would be failure proving people right would be failure in some strange way and it's this very backwards way of thinking because of course of course the failure is is being queer because that's what we're taught to believe in a lot of ways and so you know i think in a lot of ways when when we're young and when we're being teased and when we're being told we're doing a sport for girls or when we're told that the sport that we're doing makes us gay we want to prove people wrong because that's what humans like to do. We like to, pr- we like to prove people wrong. We like to, we, we like to overcome people's like kind of low expectations for us. And I think it's only in revising within ourselves and thinking, well, being gay is not failure or being gay is not kind of this lesser way of being that we need to overcome. That's sort of when we can be in a healthier place within ourselves. Um, And we can be in a place of self-acceptance. And I think that's when that pressure can dissipate. Um, But definitely as a young person, I I think there is actually this added pressure um, because we don't want to be that stereotype. Um, We want to be our own individual people. And so in order to escape that, we put on these fronts so that we can just be our own individual person.
0: You've competed in two very different Olympic Games. How did... uh, a party wants to know, like, what were the differences? But I, I can only imagine how, how long we'd be here with you <laughs> listing the differences. How did you comp- How did you prepare differently for the two?
1: Well, I think for, for for myself and my partner Piper, we were in very different places in our careers. Um, in going into Pyeongchang, we were definitely. Um, I I wouldn't say we were very strong metal contenders at that point. And of course, every competition you go to every Olympic games you go to, you want to perform at your best and you want to be striving for the best result you can get. Um, But I think throughout that the the quadrennial leading up to those Olympic games, we were still in a process of discovering where we were trying to figure out what is the work that we want to kind of put out into the world. And so, um, There was a lot of trial and error. We were trying lots of different styles, lots of different kinds of music. And the program we actually originally selected for um, the Olympic season leading into Pyeongchang, halfway through the season, the feedback we were getting was fairly um, ho-hum about what we were doing. And we decided about six weeks before the Games to change our music. And that was kind of a big scramble, just trying to get that, that program prepared. Um, and in a way, it was kind of exciting and it took us out of the kind of pressure of things needing to be perfect because we were just trying to figure out what we were doing with this new music. Um, but I think really that that sentiment to me is really what marks that whole journey of getting to those Olympic Games was. Was that that process of figuring out who we are, I think, leading into Beijing both Piper and I had a much stronger sense of who we were as individuals and as a as an ice dance team and we knew exactly what kind of work and energy we wanted to put out into the world and what kind of statement we wanted to make Um, in some ways there was a bit more pressure because we felt we had a a much more legitimate shot at winning a medal at these games and in the end that didn't happen but um, I think in a lot of ways the actual preparation of trying to be the best skater you can be at the right moment. That process doesn't really change from the time you start when you're a little kid to um, when you're going to the Olympic games. I think for me, the most marked difference was our belief in ourselves and our belief in the work that we were doing. Um, And so as much as the Beijing games were different and in the end, we didn't get to really have the performance, the big performance with the audience that we anticipated four years ago, I think in a lot of ways, it was actually a much more satisfying games because we had that self-confidence.
0: People think, oh, well, if you go to the Olympics and you don't walk away with the medal, it was a, it was a failure, um, which is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up to be a two-time top 10 uh, uh, Olympic finisher. Um, but you, know, you said there was just a satisfaction skating off the ice for... May have been your last Olympics, you don't know. Um, you're 30 now. What emotions were, were going through you as, as you skated off the ice and, and, and then you know getting on a plane and coming home?
1: A lot of mixed emotions, I think, definitely right after our, our, our final skate, where we had one of our lists not go up properly, we were definitely disappointed um, in a lot of ways it's not really a, a mistake that we've been that we were doing in our preparations for the games. And so there was some disappointment there, Um, but I think that that did kind of get washed over with pride in what we had accomplished and what we had done in the work that we had put in to get to where we are. And the way I sort of liken it is kind of like You know, when you have like a beach and there's the sand and then you kind of have the waves that like ride up on top and then sway back and then they ride up on top and sway back. And so my feelings were a little bit like that, where the disappointment would be there and then this like swell of pride and of gratitude and of all of those very positive things for all of the opportunities that we've had, all all of the gifts that come with being able to do the thing that we love on this stage and make a life out of it and be able to share that with the world, you know, th- those feelings would wash up and then kind of recede and the disappointment would come back. And, you know, it's definitely been a mixed bag of emotions even now two weeks out of the games. Um, but I think the more, the more we're able to take a step back from that and also think about it in the context of our body of work, our whole careers all of the things we've been able to experience all of the work that we've been able to share all of those moments that we've created with audiences um it really just feels overwhelmingly special a lot of the time and you know i think of course we wanted to win a medal and i'm still disappointed we didn't do that but you know i think i think in the end and this is something i've heard also from so many Olympic medalists like the things that you really take with you and really change you as a human are the memories that you've created and the connections that you've made throughout your career. Um and I and I have to say our career has been so rich in those things. So you know there's still that that little feeling of disappointment and I think there's sort of those um those what nows what what do I make of myself and what do I do next based on the fact that I didn't accomplish the thing I wanted to accomplish? Um, but I think there also is that recognition within ourselves for both Piper and I, that we've done so many great things and, um, you know, and we've had the opportunity to do all of those things. And that in itself is a big gift.
0: What do you do next?
1: I think we're still trying to figure that out. I mean, we sort of have things in the immediate, so we have our world championships in two weeks. Which we're preparing for now. And in a way that it's sort of nice to have an anchoring point and to have a schedule and to have something to kind of get you out of bed every day because we are athletes and we do rely on that external structure a lot of the time to keep us motivated and to keep us going. And so uh, it's nice to have that. And I think also for us, it's nice to have another opportunity to do our programs and hopefully skate them better than we did at the games. Um, I'm looking forward to that prospect. Um, After Worlds, we're doing. a Canadian tour with stars on ice. So we'll be traveling the country, just performing for people and not needing to worry about being better than other people or winning, but just really enjoying skating and entertaining. Um, And then we have to kind of decide where our career is going to take us next. And there's a lot of exciting opportunities in the competitive realm and some other ones outside of the competitive realm. Um, I don't think we've had enough time since the games to really reflect on that, but I think, no matter what the decision is, where it's going to come from, is our why. why. Why are we skating? Why do we want to keep skating? Um, and that's going to guide us to the right avenue that we can continue to do the things that interest us and the things that bring us joy. Um, so, you know, definitely, definitely not an end to skating right now. Um, but I think, you know, we want to have clarity on where's the best avenue for us to continue our skating and what is the thing that is motivating us? And in some ways it's strange to come out of the games and I've spent so much of the last four years and I would say especially the last two years um, with my whole life revolving around winning an Olympic medal. And to have that behind me now Um, there's kind of this gaping hole that exists in my life that I, you know, that Piper and I need to fill together. And that's really a process that we do together. Um, and that's scary in some ways, but exciting in other ways. Um, but it is really going to come down to that why. What what is it that um continues to draw us to skate? Mm. Um, and there's so many exciting things to explore. The more, the more I I grew up in the sport, the more possibilities I see. And that's and that's really exciting. We
0: only have a couple more minutes and I would be remiss if I did not ask you about those rhythm dance
1: outfits. Okay. Why, why orange? You know, we had we had the costumes sketched out and we sort of knew what we wanted them to look like, but we couldn't find a base color. And that was we knew we wanted lots of stones and we wanted the stones to be multicolor um, and really camp it up as much as we could, but it was difficult to sort of figure out what the appropriate base color would be. And for a while we were leaning towards white and we really thought that would let the stoning and the decorations shine. And then we thought that might look a little too Elvisy, and we weren't really sure. <laughs> and so anyway, so for whatever reason, we just kept being brought back to the orange and we had sort of had the, the costume sketched out with every color put into it um, so that we could see at least in a drawing the various options. And so, you know, we kept leaning towards the orange and one day Piper had gone shopping for some pant fabric for me for, for another costume um, out on Queen Street which is where all the fabric shops are in Toronto. And she came back the next day and she just had these, she just had this orange fabric and she said, I, I saw it and it just felt like the right thing. Um, and you know, we just thought, well, like this, this will be a gamble. This will either be the most horrible, tacky mess you've ever seen, or it's going to look beautiful. Um, I know we, we've heard both in feedback, so you know, it's. I thought come. it was
0: cool. I thought it was so cool. It, you 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 jumped off the TV screen. I thought it looked. I thought it was beautiful.
1: Thank you. I mean, we we both adore it, and I, I think a lot of people do. Um, so anyway, you know, we we brought we brought the fabric, and we had. Um, Our dressmakers, Bobby and Sally Aquarelli, just kind of play around with different combinations of um, stoning colors to just kind of see what colors would really pop on that orange. And then they kind of shared with us a kind of a little swatch of fabric with various stones on it, and it just kind of all came together. And we thought this might just be really striking. And I think for us, what was really important, we wanted to be dressed in color because we knew with the rhythm dance having the theme, there's a theme selected every year. And so the theme this year was um, quote unquote street dances. Um, and we knew a lot of people would be, uh, not, a, not a great name in my opinion, but we knew a lot of people would be sort of presenting um, hip hop-esque programs as, as much as you can kind of do hip hop movement on the ice. And we also knew because of that, that most people would be dressed in all black, which um, we were we were right about. So for us, it was really important to have a bold, bright color, Um, one to stand out, but I think most importantly to embody Elton's energy, which is really what we wanted to do with that program, was to really embody Elton's ability to push the envelope and put on a spectacle. And we wanted this program to, to be a spectacle. And we knew the costume needed to go along with that. Um so I think we've had so much fun with those costumes. Um they've gotten a lot of attention. Um and most importantly, I I just feel I just feel fabulous wearing it and Piper feels fabulous wearing it and and that's the most important thing. We feel so great in them. And um so you know, I think that program in general has just been such a, a joy to do this year.
0: D- did the rainbows on your shoulders have anything to do with pride in you being gay?
1: Not explicitly, I, I think more than anything, you know, um, Elton John himself, um, um, being a queer man, you know, if you look at his all of his costuming over the decades and just all of the loud things that he's worn, I think we really just wanted to we just really wanted to capture that. But I do think in general, the the camp that Elton embodies, and the camp that we wanted to include in this program, in some ways, I think, is is a little bit of a celebration of my queerness. And I I think we definitely do see in in the queer world this embracing of camp as an aesthetic. Um, And, you know, it's an aesthetic that I feel particularly drawn to. Um, And so... You know, as I said, it wasn't sort of an, an explicit choice, but we wanted we wanted it to be loud, we wanted it to be bold, we wanted it to be campy. Um, and we wanted to, people to remember it and you know all of accomplished. <laughs> well, I'm glad that makes that makes me happy.
0: Uh well, Paul, I really appreciate you taking the time. Good luck at the world championships. We'll be cheering for you from here in the US. Uh, and if there's anything we can ever do to help, please let us
1: know. Thank you so much, and thanks for sharing the stories of people like me so that, you know, lots of young people can see themselves in the sporting world.
0: You can find Paul Poirier on Instagram and Twitter. On both of them, his username is Paul D. Poirier. And really appreciate Paul joining us uh, and talking about his life. I didn't get into his personal life uh, much, but uh, he has been seeing somebody for a while, uh, and they are looking forward to taking a their first pandemic-free vacation at some point in the near future. Anyhow, thank you again, Paul, for joining me, and to everybody else, we will talk to you again soon.